Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I am extremely excited for today's guest. I will be speaking with Steve Brown. And to remind everyone with what I'm trying to create here with Inspirational Leadership, this is about talking about what it looks like to create positive work cultures where leaders are really living and breathing the values. And I know Steve does such a great job of doing this. So I'm really excited for today's conversation. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Kristen. How are you? I'm doing well. It's, it's actually warm here in Toronto, so I'll take it. Wow, it's blazing hot here in Ohio, so it could cool down. I'd be much more happy with that. <laughs> Before we know, there's going to be snow, Steve, so be careful what I you're know. For. <laughs> I know. Um, so, Steve, uh, so I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. And, you know, as a starting point, this, this talk is called Inspirational Leadership. And I'd really love to hear from you when you think about inspirational leadership. What, what does that mean to you to show up as an inspiring leader? I think when I see inspir inspirational leadership, it's behavior based. I can see it through people's actions and if they're consistent. Uh, not just are they charismatic. In fact, leadership can happen through both charismatic and non-charismatic people. But somebody who inspires, to me, uh, you look and see who follows. And organizationally, I think it's more who do people go to. Mm. Someone is that center point. They're leading in some fashion. And if they're a magnet of some sort, and that could be because they're empathetic listeners or they're approachable or all kinds of things. Inspiration to me is not, oh my gosh, bring me to tears. It's someone who's uh, there for me, who's consistent, and who's approachable. Mm, yeah, such a great example. Because I do think sometimes there is a misinterpretation. It's just those charismatic where they're up there and the visionaries and everyone. It's the day-to-day -day and those actions and how they're showing up that's quite critical as well. Right. And I think it's, you know, if you're there for another person in their time of need, that's more inspirational, especially from an HR standpoint. Uh, throughout an organization, because if someone says, I've got this life situation, if you're willing to stop, listen, address, yeah. not solve, just be part of that, yeah. you'll hold more into that. Uh, one of the things I'm working on is the difference between credibility and trust. Uh, a lot of people talk about, I don't trust you, or you need to earn trust, and I disagree with it completely. Yeah. It's, uh, you earn credibility. And once you're credible, you're trusted. Mm. If you're credible and then trusted, then you have the chance. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be a day-to-day -day thing. You're not there to save people. You're there to lead people. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes people have more of a martyr approach to inspirational leadership. Look how much I'm doing. Look at me. Yay. And it's, it's awful and not sustainable. Yeah, that's such a good point. And I mean, Steve, when you think about for yourself, some of the leaders who have really inspired you, um, sometimes there's, you know, it's the little moments, but sometimes it's the bigger moments too. Does a story come to mind to you of, of a leader that was really leading by example and was an, an inspired you by the way they were showing up? I have to say my current boss, because uh, it's funny, I've been reporting to him since my first day, and I've been with him for 13 years. Uh, and he's tolerated me and my craziness. Uh, but when I started with him, he did something that I've never seen. And I've used it since then as an example for other people who are in charge of people. 
as well as uh, examples to other companies. We have a weekly meeting, and he sat down with me and said, okay, next week, I want you to come back and say, what are your expectations of me? Mm. I said, what? He says, I'll tell you my expectations of you. I want to know what you want from me. If I'm going to help you lead you, I need to know where you're coming from. And then he put this caveat and said, I'm not going to follow everything you said. <laughs> and I said, oh, fair enough. <clears throat> but what's interesting is we've done that annually for 13 years. Hmm. Every year, instead of saying uh, traditional models of goals and you know deadlines and stuff and milestones, which I think have value in, in their place, this is more, hey, how are we doing? And it's a barometer check. And it's so much more... Um, applicable and it's not tied to levels of organizations so i can go to my pizzeria store manager and go hey instead of barking at your assistant managers what if you said hey this is what i expect from you Kristen. by the way what do you expect from me so that i can help lead you stunning um best example of leadership i've ever seen personally you know and some people might think oh like that's a small thing. I actually believe that's a huge thing. I find that a lot of leaders are not having that conversation. And it also puts some accountability in your hands as the individual reporting into that leader, right? What do you need to grow? What do you need to succeed? How do you want to challenge yourself, right? So it, it's, to me, that feels like it's much more empowering um, because, and, and I, I, there, I, I think of some, some clients I, I do know with um, some of my, my clients that I do leadership coaching with, one of the things I'll just say is like, say to that person, what do you need more of from me? How, how am I supporting you well? And what am I doing that's kind of driving you crazy? And how could I, what, what, what might that look like, right? And then all of a sudden, and as the trust <laughs> credibility is stronger, that individual might be more likely to share it. They might not share it the first conversation, but by the time the fifth time they ask that, they might say, you know, to be honest, you have this tendency to do this every time and kind of cut me off when I'm talking in a meeting and it, I don't really like it so much, right? So I think that's such a, such a valuable point. And, and again, I love it that it's, it's both people, right? It's that it feels like that leader is being a little bit vulnerable and, and willing to hear what that person says, but then that individual is also very empowered in that situation. I agree. And leaders good leaders should give direction and uh, guardrails. Hey, you know, gee, you're veering off. Boy, I'd like you to focus on this. You seem to be spending time over here. But if you don't have that expectation talk first, yeah. don't make it up. And it's funny when we talk about a lot of performance issues or lack of performance or lack of leadership, the first thing I ask now after this example is, well, did you set any expectations? They go, no, they're just not doing their job. I said, well, do they know that? Mm -hmm. not. So it, I think vulnerability is a huge factor to inspirational leadership. If it's all about bravado or, you know, impenetrability, that's a terrible word, impenetrability. <laughs> I'm not going to try to say it. <laughs> all right. But I'm just saying, um, you know, if it's all this big shield and, you know, this facade of look at me and uh, and I don't think this is a gender issue. I think it's just, uh, you know, I'm in charge because I have this title at this level. The, the best leaders are the most vulnerable leaders. Absolutely. I agree. hundred yeah. percent. 
So Steve, you recently wrote a book, HR on Purpose, and it's been very well received. And so I'd love to hear, like, what was the impetus that made you really want to write that book? I've been fortunate enough to go speak all over the country in some parts of the world. I hope that gets to be more expanded, but we'll see. Uh, if people would come up after presentations and say, I really like what you have to say, you should write it down. And, you know, your ego goes, oh, I should. Boy, it'd be great. And then I thought, I don't really. Does somebody want to hear from what I say? And a lot of conferences like to hear practitioners. So since I practice HR and they practice HR, I thought, okay, I'm going to do it from that perspective. Mm. Writing to my peers, what would I tell them? Mm -hmm. And share examples that weren't some lofty, made-up, grandiose things of, you know, real world, vulnerable, uh, humorous at times, yeah. uh, adventures that I've had over my 30 plus years. And I, once I started writing, it just poured out. Yeah. And uh, what's funny is I get notes daily and I'm not kidding daily from around the world. And they'll say, you know, I was going to leave jar and I read this and this made me want to stay in the field. And, and I'm like, I'm just crushed by it. And I've heard from Africa, Australia, Russia, the UK, Canada, US. And, you know, I'm just a guy from a small town who wrote a book. Uh, but I think it was something that was missing. One of the things I've hated about our profession is no one stood in the gap to say, I believe in what you do and I think what you value. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's missing in organizations, yeah. especially in a profession. So I didn't want to say like, gee, this is my mantle, but I just want to tell others that I value what they do. Mm. And um, the, the response has been humbling, to say the least. Well, you know what I've heard there, Steve, that I think is so important is that it, it, it wasn't ego-based. It was very purpose-driven. It was coming from a place of service. It was coming from a, a sincere desire to remind people the work they're doing and why it's important and and when you keep hearing it over and over again it's like to me it's like the universe is trying to get your attention hey steve please write a book <laughs> how can I tell you please and so i'm not at all surprised that it's it's been had such an incredible impact in in the field yeah thank you i uh it, I love hearing the stories. I do because um, just like when you said after a presentation, people will come tell you, I've heard life changing things and had people just want to be held and cry and sigh and laugh. Uh, but I'm just, in, I'm really geeked to see that they're embracing it because this is what I'm going to do. This is why I'm here, you know, is to be there for other people. And I think organizationally, companies can do this. This is not uh, some five-step model. It's this is how behavior can happen. And what's interesting is uh, people put their spin on it. And I, and I like books like that. I Pieces from information, I go, okay, I can take that part and go, oh, how do I use this my way? Yeah. So prescriptive. Yeah. Um, the prescriptive things are hard to live up to. Mm -hmm. Contextually, it's just very difficult because you go, well, gosh, my company is not like that, or I don't work with people in that same situation. Instead of saying, who here has been with a difficult person? And they go, oh, I have. Well, here's a difficult person story. Yeah. And the other part I loved is I am a storyteller, always have been. Uh, I think people learn from stories. Yeah. 
it was fun to share and see what they say. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. People emotionally connect with the stories and, and then it also feels tangible. They can read it and say like, okay, I can see myself in this and I know how I could show up differently or some strategies some tactics that I might try and experiment with that maybe they haven't tried yet. So it's giving them that permission. So Steve, when you, when you see organizations, um, when it comes to leadership, um, I find some companies, they really get it. They're, they're living and breathing it. Uh, it's, the values are not just an exercise. It's not a checkbox. And from the top all the way down, living and breathing the values. Um, then I see some other organizations where, where that's not happening. Um, and, and one of the things I also see is there's not really an investment being made in, in leadership development. What do you think the barriers are from some organizations not getting it and, and not from my perspective, leadership is huge and incredibly important. Why do you think some organizations are not investing in that way? I think we have a myth that we keep following that work is more important than people. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of the type of work or service or product that a company provides, it's done by humans in some form or capacity. So when you have leadership who have bought into the old industrial myth of in people is a waste of time, leadership development will never happen or it will happen in a limited form. And a lot of people take it more from a developing the next level of leaders to come up in the ranks, the succession planning, uh, high potentials. I hate the word high potentials, by the way. I think it's awful. Yeah. Because it's just, it's very narrow and, and it doesn't consider the full spectrum of people that you have in your organization. When you get taught people to understand that the majority of their days are on people. We did this at my company. I run a development by um, bi-monthly meeting with our pizzeria managers. And it is all about one and a half hours to two hours of people stuff. Because I said, tell me in your day, what percentage of your day is consumed with people oriented issues? And they said 90%. Okay, so what do you talk about most, work or people? And they go, people. And I said, okay, so if that's the case, how can I help you on the people side to do the work you want? So I came up with this formula of people plus process equals results. The reason leadership development doesn't happen is it's results through processes. Oh, yeah, we have people. And leaders, especially senior leaders, uh, have mistakenly taken data and analytics and let them lead, which I think is ironic because they trail. Our results are after. Everything's already happened. And we're basing decisions on results instead of saying the following actions through the following people gave results. Until people understand that organizations have to be people-centric development, good development won't happen consistently. Oh, such a great example you gave there, Steve. Such a great example. And I, I do believe 100% that's um, the big disconnect. So, you know, I'm thinking from the HR leader's perspective that's trying to go in there and help those CEOs. And there's some that are just, they're this end of the spectrum, but there's some that are just here and they need to just be brought over a little bit more, right? It's like helping them to, to shift their mindset around that. What are some of the ways HR can do that? 
I think we need to remember that CEOs are employees too. Yeah. We don't. So uh, my CEO, who's amazing, just love him. Yeah. Um, we talk about his family every time, every day. And I want to make sure that he's cared for as a person. Yeah. I also know that I need to come there uh, based on his strengths, not mine. <clears throat> so his approach, not mine. So he's a data person. I bring data. If it's a business uh, situation and he wants context, I bring context. So I try and meet him from where he is versus just coming and dumping on him. Um, a lot of HR people come in and saying, I need to put out all these fires instead of saying, here, we would be much more valuable as a profession to say, I've scanned the organization, I've assessed what's coming, and here are the different areas. By the way, did you know Michelle is doing very well while Pete seems to be struggling? Is there anything we can do with Pete? And then the CEO jumps, you know, typically, and goes, you know what? I've been thinking about Pete. Mm -hmm. Show how the people factor is already interwoven in the organization instead of just come in with P&L and line item and ROI and all the number stuff. You should know the numbers. Yeah. But um, I, I think we've made a real miss when it comes to HR people. We go, they need to know the business. I think HR needs to be the business, just like everybody else. Uh, we can't keep saying that we're this external function yeah. that gets used when and if we're needed and usually there's an alarm on that's just bad business yeah so i think the other part of it is uh, you should not shy away from it you have to follow the norms in your company but i would ask for time or make time to always be with senior managers intentionally one so that they know that they're doing well yeah not, you can help them Two, acknowledge that what they do has value it's the same thing you do with every other level of the company. With the senior level, we go, oh, no, they have to tell us first. Flip it around. Treat them like employees, just like everybody else. And they'll respond. That's such a great example, Steve, because I, I'm just thinking of some scenarios where I've been spoken to HR pros who are struggling with that. And, and it's good feedback that I'm going to share with them because I think they are doing that. They almost put them in this other box, right? It's like, oh, he's the CEO. No, no, no. I, I love the example that you've given there, right? It really is about connecting human to human. And I think the, the way you're um, alluding to the fact that, you know, meet him or her where they are. What's the best way of being able to help them understand um, what you're talking about? And then I also like what you said there, being really intentional when you're going in, right? If you're just going in there and kind of spewing out all of these things, you're not going to be able to have the, a strong of a conversation. You're not going to be able to influence in the same way. So those have been some really, really good examples. So Steve, what also shows up for me is you're a leader. And as a leader, we have strengths. And then sometimes we, we learn about ourselves. We, um, we have gaps. And uh, sometimes we have to learn things the hard way. Sometimes we kind of learn over time. What have been some of the lessons you've learned that have been um, really kind of poignant that have stayed with you as a leader? Uh, I think the issue of blind spots is a big thing for me because I am more of a, uh, extra, I'm very extroverted. Why am I lying? I'm <laughs> extroverted. No. And, and so when, when I come into a room, I mean, I come into a room and uh, there's been times where my extroversion has been a hindrance to others. When I didn't take time to listen because I was so set on just pushing forward that I didn't step back and say, 
hi, how are you, slow down, just more meter myself uh, because I, I can't stop my extroversion. Um, when I t- take the assessments, it's not whatever the scale is, I'm on the other side of that. <laughs> so uh, I need to make sure that I'm not intimidating somebody just by coming into a room uh, or you know, being so gregarious that people go, I can't handle that right now. Yeah. So being more aware of my surroundings is a constant thing. I learned that the hard way when I was uh, at another company where they had this norm that I didn't know that you're supposed to knock on the door before you came in. Oh. It, was a, it, was a, it was a hi. It was just a heads up, pause. Yeah. And you can jump right into it, but I would just walk in. Yeah. And, then, and people were already sitting back on their haunches going, what are you doing? Yeah. And I just didn't catch the cues. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I think I'm learning, I'm trying to teach people, uh, I don't think companies take a look at nuances. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the real challenges of the newer generations coming into the workplace is we're not teaching them to look and watch for nuances, cues, mm-hmm. verbals, uh, pace, tone, mm-hmm. kinds of things in how people communicate. We just keep going, work, 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 work. Instead of saying, you know, really, you have time. You have more time than you think you have to sit and go, hey, uh, when I talk to Kristen, she likes it this way. She's much more of an email person than she is an in-person. So use that intro. I would rather teach people go, hey, I'm going to teach you. So when I get new hires, I'm like, here, when you work with Kevin, it's like this. When we work with Mary, it's like this. And gossip, just giving them some coaching around that. Yeah been beat up so many times by mistake because I didn't understand the power of nuance. I think it's a real challenge in organizations. And it's always spoken about in the hallway. Yeah. You know, like people are like, oh, you know, so and so treated me this way. And you go, okay, there's a cue. Don't do that again. Yeah. And and I just wish we would take the time to teach people that. And they'd make less mistakes and be less frustrated or less embarrassed or less awkward. Yeah. and great performers that they already are. Yeah. Yeah, communication is huge, and I think it's the, um, it, the more people go on their own inward journey, the more they start to realize that we all have different operating systems, and there's no right or wrong operating system. It's just our own operating system. And when you have that operating system, the way you see things in the world looks very different from the way somebody else sees it, right? So the, way, the more you can be aware of that, uh, yeah, I can't, I can't tell you how many times when I've worked with clients and they've gone really clear on their values, their core values, and then they realized times where they were getting so upset is because it felt like their value is being stomped on, right? That person, a lot of times, that, that was not the intention. It wasn't personal. They're showing up from their operating system, different operating systems, and whoo, big crash. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that's dead on. Yeah, so so I love what you're saying there is the more you take some time to just step back and just ask, hey, let's get to know that person a little bit better. Let's be a little bit curious around, okay, so this is what seems to work better for them. There's not one, one right or wrong way. It's just different ways of approaching things. Right, and I think it's instead of getting into issues of value that or respect that, it's be aware of that. Right. When I first started here, my great boss said I wasn't allowed to implement anything for three months. I had to watch. Are you kidding me? I said, just watch. And he goes, yes. And I went, okay. So, and then what I didn't realize is that he was setting me up to 
behave differently going in. And I went, oh, you know, subtle lessons. I, I'm much more, you know, it's better than beating somebody up with a stick. Hey, learn this, do this. Uh, programmatic development doesn't work. No. Doesn't take into account the operating system. I love what you said there. That's really solid. Awesome. So I've enjoyed this conversation and I know you and I, Steve, could talk for the entire day. Um, but as we start to end today's inspirational leadership episode, is there anything else you want to leave the audience in terms of final thoughts? I would like to see people believe in each other better. Uh, the phrase I keep hearing more often, which I really, really enjoy, is assume positive intent. So, Going into more relationships organizationally, I think if we would do that as our lead-in, hey, when I talk to Kristen, it's going to be good because if that's the mindset I go in, I'm going to approach that interaction so much more differently, even if we don't get along, yeah. even if our relationship isn't in a healthy place. Uh, we tend to focus negatively first, and we continue to have limited results. From a leadership perspective, the more positive people I meet, it's just, I mean, it's easier. It's the whole thing. If I meet you with a smile, it's going to be a lot different than if I come in with an agenda. Yeah. Still have an agenda. I mean, that's, it's not separate. I used to believe it was all separate, you know. Yeah. All, and not all smiles and unicorns. Yeah. Let's treat each other well and see what happens. Uh, what we're going to see in organizations is the ones that don't do that are going to fail. It's coming. And we're seeing it now. Uh, the ones that take that positive approach to leadership and that positive approach to relationships with each other, yeah. they're going to be relevant and survive. Oh, I love that advice to end with. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's so critical for people to remember. You can't control how other people show up. The only person you can control is how you show up. And that's always in your control. You have the power to make a choice. So beautiful way to end this off, Steve. Thank you so much for being here today and being part of this episode. Thanks so much. It's great to see you as always. Thanks, Steve.